Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to start off like this. You know what the fuck it is. Let's go. You know what season it is. I think I'm bad as hell. I got issues out of line. Saying tomorrow I do the dishes. Never come. Let's go. Be big as you wake up on. Just give as much as you take. Forgive as much as you take. Oh, my God. I've been in the dugout. Looking for a way out. You know, just taking it slow. Now I'm feeling one now. Looking for a way out. Somebody show me the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all know what the fucking time it is. Let's go. We had to take it back first. We had to take it back first. You know we playing a new shit, but that's later on. We playing a new shit later on. It's scissor season. Fuck y'all thought it was, man. You broken by the waves among the seas. It's my favorite scissor song. Let's go. They hope that you die, they hope that you wash away. But you swim as well as you fly. Pretty little bird, pretty little bird. 
That's one of our more powerful blacks. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Dad Hats and Bowties. It's the Kid XAB. <laughs> Listen, I'm fucking hype. Y'all about to get a whole fucking different version of me tonight. All right. And that's right. We are recording tonight. Um, and by we, I mean me. <laughs> Y'all getting me for, for today. Um, no new guests. This thing which is still on sabbatical. We're going to call it by a professional term, sabbaticals and shit. Um, but yeah, y'all get me tonight. So, y'all know where we're going. But before we get to that album, before we get to the release of that album, we got some other shit to get to. But y'all knew what today was. If you didn't know what today was going to be about, then you are not a true fan of that hats and bow ties. That's what you're telling me. Because if you didn't think we was going to highlight this album, y'all had another fucking thing coming. But we're going to talk about it. Did we like it? Did we not like it? And by, again, we, I mean me. I'm going to be doing that the whole night. So y'all just going to have to get used to it. But did we like what we got? Six-year wait, 23-track album. We're going to get to it. But first, all-man moment. Let's talk about it. I don't have a specific one, but I will say, ladies, do y'all understand that y'all give away that you're either very easy to please or very hard to please when someone asks your love language and you be like, mm, I don't know. Or y'all say every single last one of them. Now, let me break it down. Why that might be, fellas, why that might be a good thing, right? Why that might mean that she is easy to please is because in any one of those realms on a low level, you will get her attention or you will be able to make her happy, right? So that means that if you write a letter and you post that joint on the fridge and she grabs it and she reads it, you didn't make her day. She's easy to please there. That means if you come home and you spend a little hour or two watching shows with her, she's easy to please, right? On the low-level aspect of it, if she likes all five realms of the five love languages, then that means you can hop into any one of those realms to please her at any moment in time. And especially, right, like if you have two people who have different love languages, let's say you have one who loves quality time and you have another one who really loves words of affirmation. The way love languages works is that the one that you have an affinity towards, meaning the one that you like is usually also the one that you do the most for people, right? You normally will like words of affirmations and then like to receive words of affirmations. So sometimes you're clashing in love languages. If you get an avatar who like all, <laughs> five areas right all, all nations 
right? If you get an avatar love language, then that means that you'll be able to match their love language at any moment in time because they, if you like words of affirmation, they like all five. If you specialize in words of affirmation, then that's all you got to do is, is stick to what works for you. But then also understand that there are other areas that you could potentially uh, go into in order to please your woman or to please your man or to please whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> all inclusive here. But now on the opposite end of that, here's where it gets tricky. If you have somebody who is very invested in all five of the love languages, but is at a high tier, you're going to find yourself in trouble, right? You, if you find someone that likes gift giving, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, and I don't know what the other one is right now, but they want it on a high scale, Otherwise, it doesn't register. That person is just called spoiled. They don't. <laughs> that's not. <laughs> that's not love languages. That's just being spoiled. All right. Um, but yeah, if you run into that brick wall, then you might have a little bit of a problem. If they like all five and they expect you to. Cater to all five. Um, and that's not really an all man moment for me, but I'm just trying to clear it up because. We gonna get into these relationship gurus because that's the real all man moment of the week. All right, uh, relationship gurus have come, I think, to an end. I think that aspect of the social media world. I don't know if y'all realize it, but the curtains are closing on this man versus woman debate. Curtains are closing on it. All right. About two years ago, three years ago, everybody was invested in that argument, telling everybody else how they should live their life, what a man is, what a woman is, how you supposed to treat your woman, how you supposed to treat your man, what a real relationship is. He's not a man if he doesn't provide this. She's not a woman if she don't know how to cook and clean. Everybody was was really highly invested in those conversations about two, three years ago. Nowadays, what you see in the comment sections of these desperate attempts by the blogs to continue to get engagement through pitting black men and black women together is it's the same fucking conversation every week. Can we please turn the page on this? Can, can we please start a new chapter? That's what we're seeing now. And rightfully fucking so. They have drugged this through the mud and slammed it into the ground. Stomped it into the ground at this point. This conversation is dying. And with it, so are the relationship gurus. R.I.P. to the brand of Derek Jackson but we're gonna get into that first we're gonna start off with some some good news all right we're gonna start off with Missy Elliott that's one of our more powerful blacks congratulations to Missy she has her second honorary 
doctorate. Now, why this is important? Honorary doctorates are typically a university um, deciding that they wanted to honor a particular individual for all the contributions that they have done to or for society that equate to the work that people do didactically to receive their um, doctorate degrees. So congratulations to Missy on that. That is an amazing accomplishment. Um, Now, I always kind of, always, I always wondered how people who, like, went to school for five years, seven years, you know, some people it take a little longer than that to get their doctorate. I wonder how they feel about when people get doctorates or honorary doctorates uh, for doing contributions to society as opposed to the long nights, uh, writing papers, uh, doing research, and defending their dissertation. I always wondered how people felt about that. Um, I wonder if they're tight. I wonder if they look at it as an equal accomplishment. I know it's not the exact same thing, right? An honorary doctorate is not the same as earning your doctorate in the traditional fashion or sense. But I always wondered if there was a little beef there for the people who be getting these honorary degrees versus those who, you know, went through the mud for it a little bit like that. But nonetheless, it opens up the door in the conversation too. If we give Missy enough praise and enough honors in the industry itself, in the music industry. Do we do it enough? Missy has been quiet over the last few years, right? Missy hasn't been putting out albums or slapping us with singles, nothing like that. I know that she's doing a lot of behind-the-scenes work, um, working with different artists and producers and things of that nature. But Missy is more than just an artist at this point in time. Missy is more than just a name. Missy is more than just a superstar. Missy means a lot to the culture and has influenced everybody from the hip-hop realm to the R&B realm to the pop realm. I don't think we understand or we acknowledge how much she revolutionized the game when she first came out. And beyond that, beyond her revolutionizing the game when she first hit the scene, Missy is kind of responsible for a lot of the new girls in terms of where they grab their inspiration from this idea of being like different, but also like could bang with the, with the men, right? Like when Missy came out, Buster was like holding it down with that weird alternative video eyes popping out bulky, muscular, uh, body suits or, just doing wild creative things in videos 
And then Missy came out and then matched his shit. If not, took it from him. And from there, you start to see her branch of the music tree form. Now we have the direct fruits of her labor, which are Ciara. Um, there are a couple of other the of the girlies that she is directly involved with putting on. I don't remember everybody's name, um, and I don't want to contribute the wrong people to the wrong whatever. And you know, what I mean, I'm trying to be as accurate as possible, but um, you can definitely see the influence in like a Khalees. You could definitely see Missy's influence in a tweet. Tweet was associated with Missy's brand at one point. Um, you could see it in Jasmine Sullivan a little bit. When Jasmine first came out, like, and it wasn't necessarily like the quote unquote weirdo vibe that Missy kind of went down with the huge body suits and all of that. But you can you can feel Missy in Jasmine to some extent. And that is where I'm going in terms of her, her musical branch on the tree. There are a lot of girls that may not be directly attached to Missy that Missy's influence is a hundred percent in even Aaliyah. Aaliyah had some Missy in her. And Missy has some Aaliyah in her too. Like they came out relatively same time. So I, I, again, I'm not saying that Missy is responsible for Aaliyah, but uh, Missy's influence is definitely there. You can see it. You can definitely feel it. Um. So it, it it's an interesting conversation because I don't know if we highlight Missy enough. I don't know if we give her. Her flowers enough. Like, should we have to wait for her to get honorary degrees and before she gets some lifetime achievement awards? I don't know. But as we have had so much death in this year when it comes to celebrity life. I think it's super important to highlight our greats while we still can. And for sure, Missy is one of those. She one of them ones. Let's talk about another great, but maybe not in such great light at the moment. And that is love. Love, Diddy, Sean, Sean, Diddy, love, Sean, love, love. I don't know. Love, love Diddy, Sean, Combs. Whatever he going by these days. We love Diddy over here for sure. But I don't know what's happening. And it's not that I should, right? It's his public, his private life in the public. And I don't know if he really, you know, no celebrity, I think, signs up to be as public as we are now, especially with, with social media at the forefront like it is. I don't know. If anybody signs up for that shit. But what I do know is that when you tweet it out, you make it public. So, uh, Sean, Diddy, Love, Combs, 
recently announced that he brought a baby girl into the world. Now, there's no pictures, there's no extra additional things attached to that. So, I don't know any of the circumstances, but nobody else knows any of the circumstances either. We don't know who the mother is. It ain't young Miami who has been the most public individual that he's been dating, I would say, within the last six months to a year that this rumor before it got confirmed was going around that they were dating. Um, so the question remains, who the fuck did he fuck <laughs> and get this baby out of? Because um, there's a lot of questions here. He ain't mentioned fucking nobody. Not that he had to, right? This way it goes back to the, I don't know how public celebrities choose to be when they sign up to be celebrities. But in the social media era, it's like, nigga, we gonna find out. So you might as well be as transparent as possible. But somehow, he didn't hide his baby from the world. He hid the world from his baby. Like Drake said. I don't know. These celebrity niggas, they move different. They move different. Now it also brings in. I mean, we can't we can't tap dance around it. We can't act like it don't exist. It brings into question. (laughs) What the fuck type of arrangement does him and young Miami have? I need answers because we need to know how to fucking do it over here. Okay. I don't understand it. How you fuck around and have a baby on your most public relationship and she cool. She she defending you. She putting out tweets that say, I'm a stick beside him. And I'm not mad at it. See, some of y'all out there is mad at it. And I understand. We're going to talk about that in a second. I understand why that might be sending the wrong message, right? On both ends, on his end and her. I get that. We're going to get to that. But on the, other side, on the other side of that coin, there's another side of that coin. On the other side of that coin is how do we get our relationships to a point where having a baby on a chick don't face her in the least? I think we, missing, we are missing a great lesson here because if we learn how to do that, and ladies, if y'all know how to, you know what I mean, <laughs> let certain shit, fuck all the ladies and the gentlemen. If we all learn how to be so unfazed that if our partner has a baby on us, we good. That is a new level of Omarion enlightenment that we all need to subscribe to. I don't care. Okay. We need to subscribe to that. As a unit, a group, a collaborative, a diaspora, whatever, fuck, unity, I don't, unit, G-unit, I don't fucking care. We need to get to that level of unbotheredness. But on a serious note, I understand the conversation that has now been raised in terms of what are we pushing forward as a culture? What is the message? What is the message? 
on one hand, we continuously talk about how we want to end some of the things that have been contributed to us for long periods of time as negative or detrimental components to our community. That is having these fractured families that is having conversations about being married to someone's money more so than being married to their character, right? Because let's not get it twisted. Part of the answer to the question that I just posed not too long ago is money. Diddy is clearly sponsoring Young Miami in multiple different ways, right? Gave her her own revolt show. Flies her out to Diddy Island whenever he so sees fit. Blesses her with gifts and money. And I'm pretty sure that that is at least part of the reason why Young Miami is not so phased by some of Diddy's antics while dating her. For the entire duration of this situationship, relationship, open relationship, whatever it is, Diddy has been seen with different women. Diddy has been openly intimate or in relationship with other people. Like, it's evident that they're in some type of open scenario. Young Miami has admitted to knowing that they're in an open situation. And what I respect about it is that it isn't one of those things where one party is acting like they didn't know what the real deal is or what's going on. I respect that greatly about what they got going. But someone made a post earlier that made me think. And they said, I don't care about what type of money she's getting. I don't care about how unbothered she seems in the public. Some of this stuff, regardless of the fact of what type of relationship they are in, is a little disrespectful, a little distasteful, and a little embarrassing. And it had me think. I don't know. I'm not young Miami, so I cannot speak for her. I cannot tell y'all what she may deem to be embarrassed about or what she may deem to find to be uh, acceptable or not. I will say that there was a moment in time, I think last month or so, where young Miami uh, and Diddy were reportedly broken up and then Diddy sent her like a whole shitload of flowers and stuff. Seemed like some of this information about this newborn fits on that timeline. I'm just saying. I ain't trying to be a chatty patty nigga, but I'm just saying. Some of that shit fit. So, we can't say that there aren't boundaries within this relationship to some extent. Something happened that Young Miami was upset about that allowed her to say that she wanted to split from Diddy. Um... But some of the things that Diddy has done, and this is one of the reasons why it seems a little bit troubling to me, right? I'm not getting in anybody's business 
in terms of whatever works for them works for them. And it's clearly working for them. They are happy, at least publicly. They seem to be happy. But the things that Diddy is doing, you don't see Young Miami doing. Or if she is doing it, she's not getting caught doing it. Which means that there is some level of respect to whatever they have that she is practicing that seems to be different than what he's practicing. And if he is trying to practice it, he's doing it in a hella sloppy way compared to her. And that is where I feel like there might be a bit of an issue. I mean, naturally, there there seems to be gender roles and double standards all up in that. But besides that, there is an unequal amount of respect for how the other person may feel in terms of seeing other people. Yeah, so it just seems like there is a possibility of there being a pretty big gap in terms of the respect level of what they have between the two parties. Again, it don't seem to be bothering her publicly. She seems to be fine with the understanding and the knowledge and the idea that Diddy is entertaining other women while entertaining him. And as she would put it, that's still her man, but they're single. I just feel like the way she's been moving, if she is seeing other men, is a lot more tactful and tasteful in terms of you don't get that many public instances, if any, I'm not aware of any, to be honest, of her being seen or being treated or being this or that by a dude. Now, it could also be that a lot of the things that we contribute to Diddy might be being done by another man. And we just think it's Diddy, but only the two of them know what he actually did versus what somebody else did. But um, the way young Miami has been acting, one, I would, well, this is, this is a conversation here. Um, but on one hand, I could see that deterring other men in the industry, especially from attempting to court young Miami in that they would be like, oh, clearly, you know, that's Diddy's. I ain't really trying to mess with that. On the other hand, no. That could definitely make a man try even harder. Some of these men, it could definitely make them try harder in trying to get them some uh, young Miami draws. So I don't know. But again, it does it does lend itself to the question of. What are we doing as a society, as, as a community in terms of what we are setting the expectations on regarding relationship. Are we now saying that like 
this is cool because for a long period of time, everybody is, yes, get your man, da da da, all, you know, all the different things in support of whatever it is that young Miami and Diddy have because it seems like the two of them are happy. And again, I do acknowledge that and I feel like that is a very important piece. And I think that in that instance, it ain't none of our fucking business. If they happy, they enjoying it, they know what's up, ain't none of our fucking business. But on a, a cultural standpoint, what are we saying is acceptable? Are we telling young people who are dating or in relationship and all they do is spending their time following celebrity gossip and celebrity news that as long as your man is your man or your woman or your partner, as long as they are treating you with gifts and materialistic things and supporting your dreams, anything that they do, even though they say that they're into you or they are romantically invested in you, anything they do is acceptable. Again, we don't really know the the arrangements of what they have, so it is hard to make that assumption. Um, But I can just see the cultural impact of because none of us know this arrangement. And again, I'll reiterate for the final time. It ain't none of our fucking business. Their arrangement really ain't. But then again, because it's so public. And it sets a standard and a precedent. It does make me wonder about what we're saying to young people or what we're saying to couples in terms of what is acceptable and what is not. There's just a lot of toxicity. And I guess that's where, where this is more of a conversation to me is there's a lot of toxicity coming from celebrity relationships. And then that toxicity gets normalized. You know, there's a uh, video going around about a, a man speaking on the situation that happened in Mexico where the young lady passed away. Um, Miss Robinson passed away. And he contributes some of it to this idea that the youth of today have grown up on reality TV culture. And reality TV culture has taught young people that conflict resolution And problem solving always must include screaming, yelling, throwing shit, fighting, the likes of that. And so now we have a large swath of the population that is so emotionally expressive, but in all of the the worst and negative ways because they've been seeing it on TV since the moment they were 10 years old and shit for some now almost their entire you know they're into their adulthood moment they was three years old like this shit was on tv and so we have a generation now of adults 
and let's see, even teenagers who for the last 10 years, now they're 25, they've seen conflict resolution being done through love and hip hop. But they've also seen relationship through love and hip hop and desperate housewives. And now social media and Blueface and, and Chrisan Rock. Krishan, my fault. Krishan Rock. That's what these new generation of young people are getting introduced to as quote-unquote relationship goals. So then how does that impact their relationships? And we can take the easy way out and say that it doesn't, but we'd be lying to ourselves. Like, let's keep it a stack. We'd be lying to ourselves. So that's that's just where things get a little little tricky for me. And this is why when Polly started to become popularized, I would say more so over the pandemic than in previous years. And even when the good brother distinguished was exploring that lane, this is why I would say that that is a rich man sport. Because a lot of the problem solving that happens there comes from doing transformational shit to somebody's life. I could get deep there, but I'm going to keep it surface level for the moment. And y'all know me. I can't stay surface level for too long, so I'm probably going to slip up and get deep anyway. But, right, I get mad at you because let's say I let's say we, we have agreed that you could date whoever the fuck you want as long as when I'm around, when I'm around. It's cool. But now I'm starting to get a little tight because every time I turn around, there's a new video, there's a there's a new story, there's a new blog posting of you with someone that ain't me. And I start fucking blowing your phone up. And you tell me, yo, my nigga, shut up and go outside. And I'm like, who the fuck you talking to? Must have lost your fucking mind. But I go outside And I see the new I-8 That I've been Looking to get for the Last three years Alright babe we, 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 gonna, we gonna talk about that A little bit later <laughs> We gonna talk I gotta I gotta test Test drive this This I-8 Now I'm not shallow I'm not Niggas can't buy me for shit Materialistic things do not sway my moral compass. But when you get some transformational shit in your life, 
In Young Miami's case, yo, babe, I, here's, here's a new show. I don't even, I don't want no ownership. Just give me 20% or whatever you get in. Here's a new show. It gets a little harder to start beefing about who's someone fucking in an open relationship. It should be hard from the first because y'all agreed to an open relationship, but we all know that that's not how shit always works. That's some perfect world shit, right? Nobody gets jealous. Nobody gets upset. Everybody is cool with everybody fucking whoever. Nah, what happens when he fucked the chick that you don't like? Relationship feelings are going to arise. It might be all good as long as you feel like you the queen bee, but what happens when he start fucking with somebody and it feel like he fucking with them more than he fucking with you? What tends to smooth that shit over is transformational gestures. Okay? Some of that shit is love bombing, but other parts of it is just transformational shit. Come see me on my jet. Come, come what? I ain't never came on no jet. I mean, I ain't never come <laughs> see you on a jet before. So, yeah, the deep part about that is, I mean, that's a high form of manipulation to some extent. In some cases. I ain't putting that on they shit. They are both in spaces where I feel like they have enough money that they don't need to if she trying to get billionaire money then yeah but she already got millionaire money and millionaire money opens a lot of doors in its own right and i don't really think young miami mentally now is in the same game as jay-z diddy rick ross they're chasing billions for a reason if Miami, if young Miami is chasing billions, I haven't seen from her that she's playing the same game as they are. She could be. Maybe she's very quiet about it. I mean, fuck, she did say that she wanted to be the new Oprah, right? The black Oprah. Anyway, she, she said she wanted to be Oprah. So maybe she is playing their game to some extent. But on the level that they have been playing, she ain't there yet. And they need those billions to play at the level that they play in. I don't know what she would be trying to get billionaire money for that she would allow herself to be in these type of predicaments um, in order to cipher that from Diddy. And so I don't really see her in a space where she's being manipulated, but that doesn't take away from the fact that it, does happen in different relationships where this type of love bombing or this type of solving issues with money is an issue, right? It is something being done to manipulate an individual into forgiving or being more lenient 
about transgressions of disrespect or not valuing the relationship in the same light or same way. All in all, more power to them. All right. More power to to Diddy. Congratulations on that new child, my guy. And um, you and Young Miami, I hope, have a, a very healthy, prosperous relationship that continues to move forward. Another individual, however, who has been afflicted, I think, a little bit more intensely than Diddy and Young Miami regarding someone stepping out on the relationship is Nia Long. And what she had to say, y'all, honestly... I stand with her. Matter of fact, let me give her one up. That's one of our more powerful blacks. The way the Celtic organization handled this cheating scandal was outrageous. Too publicly out. Ime Udoka and put his private business on blast was tasteless and it was disgusting and it was done without giving a fuck about Nia Long. That's the reality. They did not give a fuck about that. That woman, they did not give a fuck about her family. They did not give a fuck about her child. They were more invested in embarrassing him and making an example of him than they were in ensuring that this firing and removal or suspension, they suspended him. They didn't fire him yet, but I mean, the writing is on the wall, but, um, It wasn't done with her in mind. And that's fucked up. That's fucked up. She didn't ask for that man to cheat. She didn't tell... Him to fuck all anybody's goddamn wife and whoever else he decided to stick his penis in. He was apparently just sticking it everywhere. Um, but but she shouldn't have to pay publicly for his misdoings and the way that she had to pay. It would have been one thing if she was already in the know about what was happening with him and these women. But she found out when we found out. 
And so that indicates that this could have been handled differently. But again, I think what the organization's standpoint was and what they thought they were doing was embarrassing him. I, we didn't told you six, seven, whatever amount of times to stop fucking with these women and you continue to do it. And it's presidents, wives, it's people on staff. It's like getting real sloppy and messy now. And we didn't said to stop. So now we're going to send you a different message. Now we're going to suspend you. People are going to ask why we suspended you. And then we're going to tell them. Well, this nigga can't keep his dick in his pants. Uh, Next question. Next question, please. So. In lieu of that, you heard his family. In lieu of that, Neil Long finds out on a fucking press conference. In lieu of that, we all ask why this energy isn't consistent. Ime Udoka ain't the first person to cheat. That was a coach or a player. Or within the organization. And he most certainly will not be the last. Y'all made it seem like this nigga was out here burning cats. Y'all made it seem like he was out here stabbing people in public. That's his private life. Organizations should not have the right or the ability to put someone's public shit I mean, private shit, public. And then use it as a means. To fire them. Now, the firing part. On its own, as it stands alone, if that is part of the company policy, if it if they have actively said, hey. Fucking with people's people's is against our rules and and our standards of conduct. Can't really argue with that. You didn't that you read that and you signed that when you signed the contract to be part of that organization. But there should be some standards in how the companies are allowed to move with that information. Because we don't know what could happen in an instance where someone's family is ripped away or someone's family finds out in shock value like that and what they decide to do next. So what we're going to do here is just uh, send thoughts and prayers to Nia Long and her family, a child who unfortunately is put in the middle of all of this. Um, and yeah, before we move on, I guess I'll let, uh, Miss Long speak for herself. Just talking to Stephen A. Smith and he was saying, and when we talked, he said, I don't care what you say, 
this was a private matter that should have never been public. Uh, it was it was never something that should have been publicized. I'm a sports reporter, and I'm telling you, it was none of my business. Absolutely, 101%. He was the first person who said it. I agree with it. I think it's been in, incredibly um, difficult for me to manage, you know, all of that while working. And trying to... Um, I'm trying to find the humanity in all of it. You know, it feels like, it just feels like no one thought of me, of my children. There was no protection. I think the Celtics were irresponsible and it was hurtful. Mm -hmm. It really was because we were welcomed in as family and then it's like, well, what happened, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm figuring it out. Yeah. Um, prayers to her. All right, so there's a new study out that essentially says that couples that have a joint bank account stay together longer. The Shade Room reports, according to a study conducted by Cornell University and the University of Colorado, couples who have joint bank accounts experience greater relationship satisfaction and are less likely to break up compared to those who keep their money separate. The study found that joint bank accounts can benefit all couples, especially those with scarce financial resources. Um, this just goes back to what I've been saying for a minute in terms of partnership. This is what partnership looks like. Right. Joint bank account would indicate that both parties have some type of financial income that they are bringing in. And they are placing it in a. Joint bank account because. Both parties are building together. Now, a joint bank account does not mean that you don't also have. Your individual bank accounts. In my opinion, my humble opinion, and I'm no Derek Jackson, pun intended. Um, you need both. You need your personal bank account that allows you to dig in it whenever you see fit and allows you to do whatever the fuck you want to do on your own. And you need the joint one. Um, and that one is more so for the kids, for the house, family trips savings well you need a, a savings account as well but uh the joint account that the joint checking account um yeah for big purchases for the house big purchases for the family things that you guys want to do as a unit and whenever you're ready to dip into that you dip in um now i'm gonna get into my psychological bag um and talk from that lens and what I'll say from that lens is a joint bank account indicates these things as to why somebody or why a couple who has a joint bank account will last longer. On a superficial lens of it, you're building a joint asset. So depending on how Y'all designed y'all prenup or don't have a prenup 
within marriage, you're building a joint asset. And nine times out of 10, you don't want to lose that joint asset. Let's say you have 100K in that joint account. Right. You're going to be less inclined to break up or be in contention over something very, very small because you've invested essentially 100K or 50K if it's 50 percent into this relationship. You monetarily invested into the relationship by putting money in that joint bank account. Right. Like that is much different than buying your spouse gifts and giving them 2K here or 3K there. No, you have 50K invested in this relationship that may get split down the middle or may not, depending on, again, how your legalities are set up. Set up. It's also an indicator that trust exists. Right. Like. If I have a joint bank account with you, I also trust that. Financially, you're not going to go overboard with our money. You're not going to go into that account and take out money to the point that when I now try to go into the account, there's nothing there. And now we have to have a conversation as to how you spent the 100K. And didn't even think about, well, some of that money my husband probably wanted for a particular means or for a particular situation. If I'm trusting you enough that I'm putting money in there, that's quote unquote my money, but it's for now us. Now it's our money. And you're doing the same. There's a bond and there's a trust being built there. And that also probably means that y'all have vetted each other's financial habits and are okay with that. And if we remember, the number one reason that's constantly pointed to as to why relationships and marriages fail is typically on the financial end. And so if we have a bank account together, I am saying that I understand and I trust your spending habits. I get it. And if I don't, that might mean that might be an indicator that I don't really fuck with how you spend money. So I don't really trust us having a bank account where I'm putting money in and you putting money in. And I'm just setting myself up for an argument with you because I'm going to put 5K in. You're going to put a thousand in and there's going to be a thousand left in there. And I'm going to be like, what the fuck happened? So, yeah. Um. That's another indicator as to why this is attached to relationships lasting longer. And then the last, I would say, is that having a joint bank account expresses togetherness and communication. It expresses that, again, you're invested in this relationship. But also, it expresses that you communicate with each other in a way that both of you understand, accept, and know. And 
you're probably actively doing. Like, I can only speak for myself, but I wouldn't feel comfortable with a joint bank account unless for both of us, there's a bit of a check in about, hey, babe, yeah, I'm thinking about taking out 2K to go buy a lawnmower from the joint bank account. And her being like, oh, okay, cool. That sounds good to me. And vice versa. Hey, babe, I'm thinking about getting X, Y, and Z. I'm going to use the, the joint bank account for it. Got you. All right, cool. No problem. There's a communication effort there. And that communication probably means that it exists in other areas and components of your relationship. Probably means that you communicate really well about other things as well. If you're able to communicate about money, which is probably one of the hardest things, I guess, for some couples to communicate about. Then that must mean that you or not must, but it can indicate that you communicate relatively well in other areas, too. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's the motherfucking moment we have all been waiting for. You know where the fuck I'm going. We starting here. Huh? This song right here? Niggas want you got me to one? Niggas want me to attack it. Put the hood on, all they calling me Cassius. Mind you like Bob Saget. Greedy, I can't pass it. Eating everything, nigga, no fasting. I don't care how much you knew me in the past tense. I ain't no Julia Styles, this ain't no last dance. Way past it. Wait. Fucking on my ex, cause he validate me. Fucking up a check, I don't wanna see. Mind get possessed, let my space speak free. Oh my god! My past can't escape me. My pussy precedes me. Why my all the time change? I'm still playing the victim. Mm. You still playing to pick me. It's so embarrassing. All of the things I That's one of our more powerful blacks. I can see it. Uh. It's so embarrassing. All of the love I see living inside of me. I can see I'm blind. This nigga talking about the next I can't let it go to the second verse because then I won't let it stop playing. We going here. Split mind, don't need an assignment. Straight forward, eyes on the climbing. Out of sight, no man at the climbing. Oh my God. Bitches in my third trimester. Shift eyes, they tell me you lying. Oh my God. Price went up. Yesterday's price is not today's price. Oh my God. I need less voices, just you. Oh my God. I need your touch, not just scrutiny. Squeezing too tight, boy, you're losing me. Boy, you're losing me. I've been that nigga.
Let's go. Oh. Sizzle, what are you doing to me? What are you doing to me? I wish I was that girl from the Gucci store. She never wore any makeup and she owns couture. I got pimples where my beauty mark should be. I got giant skin on my elbows and knees. I never liked her, wanted to be like her. Hate all you look at like I was an art piece, like I was an ordinary girl I wish I was special mm. I give all my special away to a loser Oh my god She's wildin' y'all be special But you made me hate What was the reason? Change me I hate that you made me just like you I asked somebody this question earlier today. Let's go. Ain't no virtue with you Better waste to spend time Dancing around, hate this cool You with bitches on the side And let my mind wander too You relentless, nigga I don't need brand nigga Text me like I'm waiting for you mm. To come lie to me Oh, my days ain't just hurt me I can't compete oh. Still on the way I lay away Give you not around me I'm so on you Still gone for you Needing you to talk to me In your love language Show me, yeah What's your love language? Do you help me Understand how you speak Your love language Bad as I wanna be yours I can get with your program. How we go from that to this, though? I wanted to know your love language, but you know where we are now? Let's go! I be so sick of you niggas, y'all contradicting. I be so bold myself, can you come and fuck me? Police! Police! Help! Police! Help! Like all the right, wear me out Arguments, you air me out Tripping about your whereabouts I can keep no conflict with you, boy Can we just rub it out? I don't want no sadie with you You know you my plug And I can't shake this habit, no Uh I've been out, baby Uh Heavy reminiscing Heavy on the missing You wish it was Living what it was Y'all know what the fuck it is. I don't know what y'all thought we was going to come in here and do. 
SZA got one. We have to acknowledge the new generation of the greats, y'all. We have to acknowledge the turning of the tide. The new superstars are here. This sophomore album is not a sophomore slump. Can always argue if it's better than the first or not. But what we cannot sit here and do is act like she didn't deliver. Says that you motherfucking delivered. Thank you. Thank you for not having us wait six years for some bullshit. We got some quality effort material. We got a longer project. 23 songs. Not granted. What some of you may not know is SZA has always been alternative. Meaning her very first projects were not traditional R&B sounds. And you hear some of that on this project. But you hear it in a more commercial way. She takes some of the early 2000 emo rock era Avril Lavigne sounds and you hear some of that. Paramore, you hear some of that. That's definitely on this project. She hits you with a little bit of trap and trap adjacent R&B. You get some traditional sounds. But most importantly, you get nothing but slaps. And in today's day and age, that's important. These new age artists are not like the old ones. Hell, that's been. That's been a theme for a while now. These new age artists do not deliver consistently good projects. They deliver maybe. One good project and a bunch of singles, traditionally. And then we're calling them superstars. But my standard stays the same. A superstar to me is someone who can consistently deliver bodies of work that make you say, wow. I don't, I don't know. They went off planet for this. And SZA did that. Yeah, I I do have some caveats, you know, like with the alternative sounds. I feel like it, it slightly messed up the flow of the project at one point. Um, because those 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 sounds had a lot more energy than the songs before and after. Nonetheless. That is a very slight caveat, and it really doesn't apply because I enjoy those sounds on this project. I think it was an interesting yet refreshing approach, and I think she might be on to something in terms of opening that door for some of the black young women in the industry 
who grew up on that sound too to say, oh shit, I could do that too. And that sound kind of high. That sound kind of fire. Let me do a, a black girl take on an Avril Lavigne type sound. Shit, let me do a Maroon 5 type sound. And I think that opens the door to a very interesting conversation about new sounds and new music in 2023. But in my opinion, SZA has delivered on this project. Now that brings me to the very interesting conversation that she had. Now, of course, you know, whenever a artist drops, they start getting a lot more press and particular things start to be highlighted. So this conversation became a topic of discussion this week. Awkward to see the skit making fun of a situation you were a part of. (laughs) I feel like in a strange way, I was like, did they know? (laughs) And then I was like, but they didn't ask me to be in it. And then I was like, like nobody said anything. So I was just like, (laughs) I just was backstage and I heard like Drake in 20. And then I was like, what? And then when I saw it, I was like, this is insane. But, um, I don't know. I feel like Drake has a Regina George quality to him where it's just kind of like, have you or anyone, you know, been personally victimized? But he's a popular, he's like, he's like, he's like a cool kid, you know? Was it at all awkward? But yeah, that was funny. I was, I cackled. I take it when it happened, you didn't really feel a way about it. No, wait, what, the skit or when it, when it actually happened? When it actually happened. No, no, it wasn't a big deal because it was something that I like knew about already. Like, I obviously know that we talked to each other <laughs> when I was a lot younger and when he was a lot younger and like, right. um... And we're cool. We've always been cool. So it's never, it's never been weird. It's never, it didn't come completely out of the blue. And he let me know, like, I didn't know that it was um a song with 21 or anything like that, but or anytime he's ever mentioned me, it's always been positive. He's never said anything negative about me. And I'm grateful for that. And I think highly of him. And I think it's really weird that um as all these like years went past, I am an artist now and I wasn't then. And, you know, he's, He's King Drake. But yeah, that was funny. I think she handled this uh, interview pretty well. Um, There are a lot of different ways that it could have went, especially with some of the bad press um, that came from the assumption of the Drake line in terms of Meg Thee Stallion. And there could have been, you know, that's how you know that SZA is a genuine person. It could have been an attempt to jump on that bandwagon to get more quote unquote buying or investment um, regarding her particular project and might have got people speculating if she might have said something about Drake on it or whatever, but she didn't go down that route. Um, some of her verbiage, though, you got to pay attention to what she's saying. You know, got to pay attention to some of the things that she's saying. Some of them things is highlighting some things. But um, whenever a chick qualifies your relationship by insinuating or stating 
whether it's a fact or not, that that relationship or that fling or that fuck happened when they were a lot younger. They letting you know I was I was immature then and I probably wouldn't make the same decision to deal with you now. As I did when I was, quote unquote, a lot younger, which they were a lot younger. They apparently dated in 07, um, quote unquote, 08, if you take Drake's standpoint or, um, you know, his his purview of it. But um, they dated when they were a lot younger. And. Yeah, I think she handled that relatively well. I feel like there were opportunities and maybe even a little bit of probing. To see if she would say something um, negative about Drake, and she did it. And so, kudos to SZA, man. She's fucking winning. She's winning. If y'all talking about who the queen of this new age R&B is, you are looking at her. She just delivered a project this Friday, and y'all need to go check it out. Woo! I don't even know where to start with this one. Um, there's so many layers to this shit here. Uh, all right. So over the weekend, we received some news that translates to a conversation that we had earlier. Was it this year? Might've been last year. I think it might've been last year. Derek Jackson and his wife have officially divorced. Now, how this has come about raises more questions than anything. So, when the original cheating allegations and confirmations happened, Derek Jackson and his wife got on social media and proclaimed to the world that they were good, they were working through it. He leaned on, listen, I am human, I make mistakes. And all of that, honestly, not too much on Derek. Y'all be be a little bit, like, it's almost a little weird to me how much y'all demonize this man like he became public enemy number one after this. And I understand why it's the hypocrisy of it. I get it. Like you stand on a high horse, you're going to fall far, you know, but at the same time, I don't know if the hate that he gets is warranted, but we'll get into that. His wife, on the other hand, she was doing a lot in, in that, that live calling curses as people would say on other people's children or basically asking God to, you know, if people want to be in a business, make sure that they can never get married and they children have, it was a lot. She was doing a lot. Um, but, um, yeah, so they got on camera and basically said, and everybody said she looked like she was being held hostage. One of them was being held hostage. I don't know who, I don't, it could have been him. It could have been her. Um, But they got on camera and basically said that they were going to work through it. A year later, my man's put up a post 
saying that they're divorcing. But here's where it gets a little tricky. It doesn't seem like it was a natural post. I guess is the best way to say it. So the day before the post or a couple of days before, I don't follow Tasha K. I think that she is a little too extreme for my liking. That's the nicest way that I could put it um, in terms of her exposing, quote unquote, industry T. Industry information, other people's business like her and and academics, not so much academics because academics does a lot of speculation and other bullshit, but. He's in that pot too I'm not really trying to exclude him He's in that fucking pot too um, They do a lot Like they, they try to be first with salacious information And trying to be first means A lot of times you're going to be wrong And you can't be wrong about certain shit In this day and age You Once you take the genie out the bottle A lot of times Can't put it back in So I just think that's a dangerous game to be playing um, And it happened here. Tasha K has like some weird obsession with Derek Jackson. I don't know what the the situation is between the two of them. Um, but I think she exposed him last time or, or was one of the reasons why the cheating allegations became public last time. And this time she exposed him again with pictures of him with a woman that was not his wife. And they look like they were pretty intimate. And then right after that is when Derek Jackson releases the information saying that him and his wife are divorced and they've been divorced. And so that's why he's being seen with other women. Essentially was the original story behind the uh, drop is that they've been divorced for a while. I guess they didn't make it public. Um, But it just doesn't seem like that might have been the case. Seeing as his divorce was in reaction to her dropping that or at least him publicly announcing it seemed to be like in reaction to that. And I don't know, maybe maybe I'm like overthinking it and and, and missing the mark because maybe it could potentially be that he felt like he had to say something public seeing as people are in his business. But then again, it's like. Whenever you finalize that divorce, if you really wanted to live a single life, at some point it might have made some sense to publicly express it, seeing as at this moment in time you are still considered a public figure and something like this might have happened. Nonetheless, this opens up a very interesting conversation about... Relationship gurus And as I opened at the top of the show It opens up a conversation about this man versus women debate That niggas is purposely Pitting us in against each other um, Or putting us in to pit against each other This conversation seems to be dying 
And a lot of the people who fuel the conversations willingly or unwillingly unwillingly seem to be falling out of the picture. R.I.P. to Kevin Samuels, but he was a large component of this man versus woman debate, even though he was trying to add clarity in some ways and he was disrespectful in others. Um, He was trying to add something to the conversation. Derek Jackson, you had Pastor Poppy. You have, till this day, you still have a couple of names in this telling other people the gems and the secrets and what they need to do to to prepare themselves for the perfect partner and get the perfect partner and get the perfect relationship, live the perfect love story lifestyle. Now, when Derek Jackson first started, I didn't have an issue with his message. I don't think his message was bad. I think he got a lot of hate in the beginning from men who were intimidated by a Derek Jackson existing. And what I mean by that is Derek Jackson essentially in the beginning would encourage women not to settle for bullshit from men. Right? Like Derek Jackson was essentially saying, yo, these are the secrets, quote unquote, or this is the mentality of certain individuals, certain men. And when they exhibit these habits, it could mean that they don't really fuck with you. And let me tell you why, right? Like if you're calling him nonstop and he don't answer his phone, he only answers in particular instances and he doesn't call you back. It might mean that he's not really interested in you. It might mean that he's wasting your time. And I think a lot of men, one, didn't appreciate the fact, the ones that were actually doing those those things, they didn't appreciate the fact that there was a nigga out there that was willing to give women the playbook, right? There are some men that heard these things from Derek and was like, baby boy, what are you doing? What are you doing? Right? There was there was that silo. And then I think there were men who were intimidated by a man who physically looked attractive, was built, had money, God-fearing, and was practicing the things that he was telling women was out there and actually existed. He was living proof that it existed. You didn't have to settle for one way or the other. You didn't have to get the good guy who never works out, has a belly, uh, doesn't really have a good job, but he's a good guy. He's a really good fellow. You didn't have to settle for that. You also didn't have to settle for the dude who had a lot of money, looks really good, up keeps his body well, 
but he going to cheat on you and treat you bad and have you living in a space where it's like if you do too much, he's going to replace you and get a new one of you the next day. You didn't have to pick between the two. You could have it all. And a lot of men, I think, that intimidated. A lot of men saw that and were like, I got to step my shit up if I'm competing against that. Or a lot of men started to see women respond to that and say, yo, you know what? I don't have to either be treated like shit, but get money and da 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 and this and that and the third. Or I don't have to settle with someone that I may not be a thousand percent attracted to um, simply because they're nice. You know what? I can get it all. I can get it all. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that mentality. Up into a particular degree. Because I can get it all can get extreme and it can get shallow and it can have women chasing the ghost of perfectionism that does not exist. And that is where I think there is merit. In some of the early criticisms of Derek Jackson. And late criticisms. Because somewhere along the line. And it could have been when social media started decided and started to become more of a thing that could be monetized. It could be then. It could be somewhere else along the journey in the road of Derek Jackson's career. But somewhere along it. The message seemed to change from realism and this is what you don't need to accept to selling a falsehood of what an ideal man would do or say or act versus If he doesn't practice these things, then he ain't for you or he doesn't like you or X, Y, and Z. And then the problem with it was it was spoken about in generalizations, which is what the hitch and hallmark of this man versus woman debate. Is. Contingent on It falls on This falsehood Of these broad Swaths and generalizations Of what men and Women should and should Not do how they will and Will not act And from there you can determine If something is wasting your time or not If he's unwilling to buy you things or if he's unwilling to supplement your life, if if you are short on rent and he can't pay your rent. Then that nigga broke and he don't really like you. 
that's some of the messaging that is being presented probably at this very moment. It might be a new post that says exactly that floating around the Internet. Now, I'm not saying that that was Derek Jackson's viewpoint on things, but there were some things that he would say that were in generalizations of if a man doesn't do this and a man doesn't do that, then he probably isn't into you or he doesn't like you or you're wasting your time with him or he's wasting his time with you. He's only trying to get this out of you. He's only trying to do that. Then you had niggas like past the poppy who went to the extreme of it with a bunch of cursing and hood rhetoric and, Oh, you can't pay her. You can't pay her rent. You shouldn't be fucking no nigga that can't pay your rent. Oh, he can't spend 10 racks on you. You don't let no niggas that can't spend no 10 racks lay with you. Like things started to get extreme and ridiculous and foolish and dumb. And that's why the dating pool has pee in it. As some would say. Shout out to the situation shit. It has pee in it because there's way too many unrealistic expectations built up through idealism and perfectionism. There's nothing wrong with wanting someone who fits you and who treats you like you want to be treated. The issue lies in the fantasy that you want to make reality. All my life, I wanted to fly. I mean, like super hero power fly, not getting somebody's airplane. The reality is in 2022, that is not a possibility. Maybe somewhere down the road, who knows? Right? Who knows? Iron Man suit looks like it's about 20 years away before we can actually make one of them things. Who knows? But in terms of now, that is not a reality. That is a fantasy. Some of us are living in a fantasy. Where we don't bring peace, partnership, prosperity, wealth, happiness, success, genuine love, purity, an open heart, a calm mind. We don't bring none of that shit to the table. But we expect it from others. Some of us, and this is superficial, but some of us won't step in the gym at all. Won't eat right. Won't take care of our body. Won't do a spa day. Won't do none of that shit. But want the partner that looks like they were chiseled by God himself 
I think y'all know where I'm getting at with this. Social media has also influenced this. Where we feel entitled to getting the things that we want in an instant gratification type of way. And then when we don't, we start to suffer depression, anxiety, feeling bad. We start comparing. And other mental illness starts to set in. Because we say, look at these people. Why do they have it, but we don't? And that is the danger with these continuous conversations about what men should do, women should do, what men should have, what women should have, what a relationship really looks like. He's your roommate if he don't pay this. She's your roommate if she don't do that. She don't like you if X, Y, and Z. Well, he don't like you if this, that, and the third. That's the danger of all this comparison shit. That's the danger of all these over-generalized, overarching, overreaching idealisms about what perfect relationships look like and what makes a perfect relationship. What makes a perfect relationship is whatever works for you. Each and every one of us is a different individual because I don't like that saying either. That just sounds like you're trying to end the argument by just saying whatever works for you. That's cool. Not that I don't like it, but it doesn't leave any pathway of understanding. Whatever works for you means that you have to do the inner work to actually know the core components of who you are and what you like. And then when you start to court, When you start to date, you have a concrete understanding of who can match you as a perfect partner for you. And that may not look the same. It will not look the same in any other relationship. For you, you may show up as the best version of yourself. When you have a job, when you have enough money to go on a trip every three months, when you go to Nobu, when you can go to the U.S. Open, after they announce who's doing what, (laughs) we all know the prices go up when, when they make those announcements, but You can essentially, you have some type of financial freedom. You have some type of confidence in yourself. You have some type of of feeling of just being whole. And in that instance, that is how you show up the best in your relationship. For another person, they may show up the best when they can go to Target and fill up the basket. They may feel like they show up the best when they make enough money to pay all their bills on time. And they may feel like, all right, cool, I want a date. 
And I want to find somebody that matches me in that. We have to stop as a community making it seem like the only way a man is a man is if he's over like doing the most financially and a woman is a woman when she's doing the most physically. It's getting dumb now. This is you want to talk about low vibrational. This is a low vibrational conversation at this point that we continue to keep hashing and having and acting as if we're getting new information out of the same shit. If a man sees you doing this and doesn't come and drop 10 racks on you, is he a man? Like these dumb ass questions. If a woman is on a date with a dude and he asks her to pay the tip, is she supposed to leave? Like, we're like we're wasting our time. And a lot of this was spurred by Derek Jackson's and the like. So I do understand to some extent why he got the hate that he did. Um I understand this idea of pushing perfectionism and worthiness being a positive thing in the beginning and some men pushing back because here is this man that not only is preaching these things but is living this lifestyle but on the other hand it also felt like feeding into the social media era and issue of having people chase that goal of acceptance and that goal uh, and concept of unrealistic expectations In this case, this lie was fed to a lot of women. Derek Jackson did feed women a lie. He fed them expectations that were way too high and way overreaching in terms of his messaging About what a man will do and what they won't do if they like you. It does not mean that. Certain things do not mean the same for each man. You will do yourself a disservice if you believe that it does. Some men don't text you every day because they respect your time. And you might have said some shit that made him say, oh, okay. Or maybe I'll just check in every other day because she seems to be busy. Some men haven't been taught what some women love and like. And so you you might once or twice, maybe three times, have to reinforce something that you like to a man because there isn't a one 
glove fits all playbook for men in terms of what women like because all of you are different just like all of us are different so yeah there are some things that are generalized but i just got in trouble the other day for doing something that was super nice but because it didn't fit what that particular person deemed to be what gets them going. I was then questioned about, well, why did you, why do you, why did you insist on doing that when you know I like this? You know what? You got it. Never mind. Never mind. Y'all are not the same. And I think, that is being lost oftentimes in these conversations. No human being is the same, regardless of what societal standards of dating are. There literally are women who much rather, rather do a very chill outing than see you spend a bunch of money on them. There are some women who actually get upset and be like, oh, you don't listen to me then. You know I like to lay in the grass and look at the stars. So why the fuck are you taking me to a five-star restaurant where I feel uncomfortable That's a real thing. And so when we blanket these ridiculous generalizations, we do ourselves a disservice because we are not the same. No one is. Now, are there particular things in conversations that seem to transmit and carry over? Yeah, there are. But overall, we're all different. And because we're all different, certain things don't always translate the same way. So yeah. Those messages of Derek Jackson fed into this current state and culture of a lack of internal accountability and often put men in opposition and responsible for a woman's perception as opposed to opening the door for self-acknowledgement. So instead of having women internalize some of the mishaps that they are having in dating to some form of self-reflection, self-assessment, self-understanding, Derek Jackson's message, Derek Jackson's message often placed blame, responsibility, and action on men. And that was another reason why he was scrutinized by other men. But because that scrutiny was mixed in with the men that were clearly intimidated by the fact that there is 
a handsome man with money who looks good talking the good guy talk, quote unquote. I think it started to get muddied up and it started to feel like you can't touch Jarek Jarek Jackson like you can't touch Trump. At least the women would definitely come out in droves and attack any man who offered an alternative opinion to what Derek was selling. But where does that leave us now? Is Derek Jackson a false prophet? Or is he simply human? Where does that leave us now? Ultimately, I feel like he fell into the trap that men actually warned him about in terms of setting up unrealistic expectations that at some point we all fall short of. That that's it. I think that that is Derek Jackson. His message was not wrong, in my opinion. At least his initial one. Having women understand that they don't have to settle for abuse. They don't have to settle a heartache. They don't have to settle for disgusting behavior. I don't think that that's wrong. But I think when that transition in social media happened, when everybody thought that they were going to be a star, when everybody felt like they had to just continuously put out content every day, 365 days, seven days a week, twice a day at some point, I think people started to fish. And I think in terms of getting high engagement, I think people started to make their messages more extreme. Granted, I don't think Derek ever got to the crazy. If we're talking about extreme messages, Kevin Samuels messages were definitely way more extreme. But I also think that he was playing that game, too. But I do think at some point Derek's messages became unrealistic. And even he couldn't hold up to the standards that he presented. Now, granted, in this case, I mean, not every man cheats. Make that clear. The ideals that I'm talking about are this perfect relationship, perfect household, perfect person that he felt he had to live up to in order to continue to spread his message Because his message was surrounding perfectionism instead of realism. Instead of saying relationships are hard. Both you and the other person are going to fail sometimes. Dating is hard. You're going to come across people 
that are for you and you're going to come across people that are not for you. And both are okay. Both can be learning experiences. And unfortunately, you're going to come across more people that are not for you than people that are for you. Because you only come across a few that are really for you. If not just one that's really for you. But that doesn't mean that everybody that isn't for you has negative intentions or that you didn't do the work. They didn't do the work. Or there's something to blame outside of maybe some self-growth, maybe some self-understanding going into it. Because at the end of the day, we all have to take accountability for what the fuck we decide to entertain. That is part of the conversation that's missing on social media. That's the part that niggas don't want to tell you because you're not going to like hearing it. We need to take accountability for different aspects of dating. Part of that is what we do or do not bring to the table. I know people hate that saying. But it's the truth. People don't want you to hold yourself accountable. Because you don't like hearing that. People don't like hearing what they could have done better. What they could have done differently. It's easier to have you believe that is always the other person. Or that is always another circumstance. Because you don't have to do nothing about that. If it's another person, that person was a fuck person. So now they could go be a fuck person somewhere else. But why the fuck did you entertain the fuck person? The fuck nigga. The fuck bitch. However you want to qualify it. The fuck nigga, the fuck girl, however you want to qualify it, why did you entertain them? Because that's where the real, that is where the real work starts. Why did you entertain that fuck person? Because if we're keeping it real, if we're keeping it a thousand, That's where the real work starts. That shit will reveal to you way more than any of these fucking gurus, relationship gurus, are telling you to do. The warning signs are not in the other individuals. The warning signs are in you. How do you feel when you see a man or woman come to you and they present things into your life that you're not comfortable with? How do you respond? And why do you respond like that? 
That's going to tell you way fucking more than any of these niggas is telling you. Because nine times out of ten. Is because we're being selectively blind. Yeah. Nine times out of ten. You saw it. You knew you ain't really like it. But you supplemented it with something else. Damn, she's fine. She asked me for money way too fucking much. For a grown ass adult that has her own job and her own money. But she fine as fuck. I can't wait to step out and have this bad bitch on my arm. And be able to tell everybody, yeah, that's my girl. So I'm going to eat the fact that I'm really a cheesecake factory guy. I actually like me some Hooters wings on a calm Saturday afternoon. But I've been spending $500 every time I go out with this chick because she wants to go to the most expensive restaurants in New York City and get the top of the line plate every single time. Surf and turf, the golden steak, little lamb shit. She want all that. So I bend my lifestyle to incorporate this bad chick because I'm really just happy to have a bad chick. Instead of doing the work and realizing that I'm only really happy about having a bad chick because deep down inside I'm insecure And no one ever told me that I look good before and that I could back someone like her. So I'm really on a trip right now because I bagged a bad chick. I'm not even looking at her character. I'm not looking at the life we're going to live if we continue down this road and if our, our lifestyles match up, if our love languages match up, if our communication styles match up, if... We actually have chemistry. We be sitting at these $500 dinners, staring each other in the face like we both stupid as fuck. Because we are both stupid as fuck. But we stand at each other, and there's a little giggle here and there. And I'm feeling really nervous the whole time because I this doesn't feel like the times when I've been out with somebody that actually likes me. Well, buddy, it's because... She probably doesn't. And you decided you wanted to forego the warning signs because you were more concerned about having a bad bitch on your arm than you were concerned about having a good person that you were compatible with on your arm. That's what the relationship gurus don't want to tell you is that you have to do the inner work. You have to ask yourself the hard questions. You have to find out where some of these things are coming from. They rather you sit here and put blame on, oh, this, that, and the third, and then tell you all these superficial 
barriers that someone should go through if they really like you for you to then feel safe and comfortable opening it up. It don't work like that. You either get to a space where you're vulnerable enough to let somebody into your life and see the real you or you work to get to that to that point. But there's no in between. There's no let this person break this, that and the third barrier. Like, yes, you're not supposed to just go out there being a goof troop. But if you're not dating authentically, then you're not going to have people come into your life with authentic intentions. It just doesn't work like that. Your barrier is is repelling the ones who want to love you in that way. You have a barrier up and oftentimes we don't realize it, but those barriers are expressed through our mannerisms. And so if I am open to dating vulnerably, but I see that you aren't, I am not going to go down that road with you. I am either going to do one or two things. I'm a going to come to you and put my guard up too. Well, clearly you're dating from a guarded position, so I'm going to date from a guarded position. And neither one of us are going to show the real us. Or two, I'm going to see it and say, nope, that's a fucking dead end. Hey, yo, put the GPS on. We got to go somewhere else. I'm not even going to entertain you. So what you do unintentionally is, A, invite the niggas that maybe wanted to love you vulnerably, but now are saying, I'm not going to do that because I can't love vulnerably, vulnerably to somebody who is guarded. I can't do that. Or you're going to get the sharks, the niggas that see that you're, you're guarded, have an intention, and know how to make you put that guard down just to fulfill their intentions. Or you're going to get the nigga that ain't interested in dating from a vulnerable place is guarded as well and is interacting with you in the same way you're interacting with him. And then both of y'all walk away from that situation feeling like, I don't know why things didn't work out, but I could tell you this one was doing, she was doing X, Y, and Z, and she's telling her friends and everybody, well, he was doing this, that, and the third. I used to call that nigga at night. He would never pick up. He's sitting there like, yo, she was ringing down my phone and... It was like she didn't have boundaries that I ain't want to talk to her every single night like I didn't have work in the morning. Y'all are not in a space where y'all could have been vulnerable enough to communicate to each other and get to a space where that communication leads to vulnerability and closeness and a bond. And that typically is what happens. And that is not what these niggas is, is willing to sell you or tell you. So you fucking welcome. We got to give a good send off to our man, Trevor Noah. Um, he is no longer going to be doing the daily show. Um, I mean, shit. I don't know if I can give a better send off than he gave himself. Um, if I can find the clip, let me see. Let me see if I got that clip for y'all. In terms of Trevor and his send off. 
Uh, uh, uh. Where that shit go? See if I got that. Oh, they gonna make me work for it. All right, hold up. Hold up. Damn, don't look like I got it. All right, well, hopefully I find it, but Trevor Noah essentially gave an emotional send-off and he thanked black women um, for being the person that he is. And so... I just I just think that that's an amazing way to speak about why you're successful as a black man. And it's oftentimes overlooked, it's oftentimes not discussed. But uh let's see. Uh this is random for some but special shout out to to black women. Um, I, you know, I've, I've been, I've often been credited with, you know, having these grand ideas of people like, oh, Trevor, you're so smart and you so, and then I'm like, I'm like, who do you think teaches me? You know, who do you think has shaped me, nourished me, informed me? You know, from my mom, my grand, you know, my aunt, all these black women in my life, but then, in America as well, if you, I always tell people, if you truly want to learn about America, talk to black women. Yeah, cause unlike everybody else, black women cannot afford to f around and find out. Black people understand how hard it is when things He ends off by saying, uh, when things go wrong. And as I mentioned, I just think that as a black man. All right, y'all, I need y'all to help me pick an elf. Hey, yo, I think, <laughs> I think that as a black man, it is important to highlight that aspect especially in terms of black women. You see, these conversations tend to miss that aspect of things. The single black mother left with one child, two child, two children, two child. That's crazy. One child, two children, three children. She knows all too well what it feels like and what it means when shit goes wrong 
And although, yeah, there are systems in place to catch you from the pitfalls. When shit go wrong, shit go wrong. And as Trevor said, black women know firsthand what that feels like and what that looks like to the point where you don't fuck around with that. Black men too. But black women get an extra layer at times, especially when you bring children into the forefront, especially when you talk about pay gaps, especially when you talk about respect. The one difference between the black man and the black woman is the amount of respect or disrespect that they encounter. I'm not saying that black men don't encounter it because we sure as hell do. But it's different. It's different. In some cases, when a black man is feared, it could feel empowering. Right? Depending on your mindset. Somebody crossed the street because you crossed because you ended up on that block. Most of the times, 90% of the times, you feel disrespected. There's that 10% that makes you be like, yeah, motherfucker, be scared. I don't think it translates the same to black women. It just feels like disrespect. In many cases. And so that tribute to being molded, to having grand and genius ideas and working hard and having a certain type of work ethic and methodology to you and contributing that to the black women that are in your life, I think is an amazing way to close out that tenure. I think most, if not Every black man can attest to that in some way, shape, or form. Naturally, there are exceptions in the extremes, but in general, in a general basis, I think that a lot of us can contribute an auntie, a grandma, a mother, a sister, as the person to go out of their way to save you. As a person to go out of their way to nurture you. As a person to go out of their way to care for you. So, congratulations to Trevor Noah for an amazing run on The Daily Show. I absolutely have no idea what the fuck they're going to do next. Um, They've had two amazing hosts back to back. John Stewart, Trevor Noah. Nobody knew what the fuck to expect from Trevor. A lot of people felt like it was a diversity hire. But Trevor proved himself to be worthy of that spot. Might have become, I won't say he became a bigger star than John Stewart, but he damn sure reached the same pinnacles and plateaus. And now he's opened up the door for a conversation of what's next. Will we see a black woman 
taking that spot. Will we see another nationality? Will we see a more diverse staff with diverse ideas be part of the culture of The Daily Show now? I'm excited to see what happens. And I'm excited to see what happens with Trevor Noah. I am also excited to see what the fuck is going to happen with the uh, morning show. <laughs> um, so apparently, Amy Robach and TJ Holmes were removed. But then they brought Amy back, it seems. And now it's just TJ who will be replaced. Now, I mean, what the fuck y'all want me to say here? The black man gets removed and will be replaced. It's going to be replaced by another black man. Um, another light-skinned black man, which has its own implications. But what the fuck you want me to say here? It's not that it is, it's expected, but it happening just is the implications that we all know exist in America. They're going to save their own. And they're going to put us out in the street whenever we fuck up. Now, I'm not saying that ABC doesn't have the right to remove its host. But if you're going to do that, keep that same energy. Why is it that he gets a harsher punishment than her? But granted, I don't know what happened in the, in those backroom dealings and and uh, conversations. I don't know if maybe he decided, you know, it'll be best for me to leave the show. I'm going to try and work on my marriage. I don't know. I don't know what his side of it is, but it doesn't look good um, on its initial reporting and presentation. Doesn't look good to take the black man off the show, keep the white woman, um, and nobody know what's going to happen to the black man when they both were involved. Both were consenting adults. If that's the policy, that's the policy. But then it needs to be across the board. It just seems a little sticky, a little iffy. Um, but then there's another, there's a fun conversation in here. There is. And I don't condone it. But I think it's worth us talking about. And that is finding love outside of your relationship. It happens every day. So we can't we can't continue to act like this shit don't exist. People find that ghost and Angela love outside their relationship all the time. So what does that mean? What does it mean? I mean, I personally believe that all your life you will find yourself attracted to other people. You will find yourself having chemistry with other people, and you will find yourself creating bonds outside of your love. I think that's a fact. I think that's where discipline comes into play. 
right? That's where you know yourself enough or you know yourself to a degree that you know what to allow and what not to allow. I mean, this ties into another post that was floating around. Um, Let me see if I can find that one um, to just have the specific verbiage correct. But, yeah, I think that you're going to find yourself in positions, especially if you are in entertainment or public or have a job that moves you around or you're around new people consistently. At some point, if you're a good-looking individual... You're going to bump into somebody that you might be like, oh, okay, yeah, they're kind of cute. You might bump into somebody like, yo, we have amazing conversation. You might bump into somebody that you have a really, really dope chemistry with. And that's just life. I don't think there's much fighting that. But I think that That is where the responsibility of discipline comes in. Conversation. Being open and being honest with yourself and with your partner. Not everybody's relationship is the same. There's some people where you could go to your partner and you could say, hey, there's this girl, Samantha, at the job. I think she's kind of cool. I don't know what to tell you. And your spouse is going to tell you. All right. Well, listen. If y'all fuck, y'all fuck. I'm I'm not mad. I'm not mad at that. Just don't let it be more than that. There's some relationships like that. Not many. There's some. Uh, Again, I ain't saying if that's right or wrong. That's not for me to judge. If that works for them, that works for them. So there's some relationships that are like that. There are other relationships where you just simply have to reassess. Okay, Sarah is cool. If we fuck, I'm going to lose my entire family. So let me treat this relationship with that understanding in mind. That doesn't mean that y'all don't have to be cool no more. But that means discipline must be activated. That means that if Sarah's like, hey, can you drop me home? Maybe you don't drop her home. That means if like if Sarah's like, hey, let's go out for drinks. Maybe you don't go out for drinks. Maybe. If you have the discipline too, then sure, do that. That's your homegirl. If you have the discipline. But if you don't have the discipline, you have to know. You have to know the ramifications and you have to know what your level of holding on to the rope is. Some niggas holding on to the rope could be a shorty walking butt ass naked saying I'm going to suck your dick and they will be like and I'll slap the shit out of you because my wife is waiting for me at home. Don't threaten me with assault. Right? Like that is that is some people. Now others holding on to the rope is don't look at me too long, otherwise I'm gonna say something inappropriate. You gotta find out what that level is for you. 
But there's a meme going around that says your girlfriend shouldn't be talking to her exes. Um, depends on the relationship, in my opinion. Um, if they're truly ex- if they're exes but they're cool, I think this is an insecure statement. If it's one of those situations, if she's telling you about the ex and being transparent about the situation, I think that that tells me more about your insecurities than it tells me about what she, who she should and should not be talking to. Um, Any guy best friend, that is fucking stupid. So, no, I do not agree with that. Any man who likes her. She may not know that the man likes her. And if he has been that transparent and or or that bold, because that's beyond transparency. But if he has been that bold to say that, knowing that he has knowing that she has a girlfriend, then. Yeah, there might be some boundaries that need to be set with that individual, but. Talking to I don't I don't know, I don't know. How far I would go with that It really depends on how that individual Treats that Like the man might have came across and said Yo I'm feeling you Hey that's cool and all but I have a boyfriend Oh my fault I didn't know that And that might be a friend of a friend or some shit like that So if every time He comes around Is she supposed to ignore the nigga because he Didn't know She was seeing somebody and he had a crush or do you mean it more in like an intimate setting? Maybe games night they met, they cool. He he expresses he likes her. She says she has a boyfriend but takes his number. Then, yeah, that's a little suspect. Could be a little suspect. Depending on why she took his number, of course. But it, it, it sets up a dynamic that some shit could go down. So a little bit more agreeance on that one. Um, a man who liked her. No. That's dumb. If I liked you in fucking middle school and we grown ass adults now and we still cool, man, if you don't get the fuck, any guy she used to like, again, if she liked me three years ago, we didn't do nothing. We didn't work out. Even if we did do something, but shit didn't work out. It's three years later and we still haven't tried to do anything, but we're cool. This just sounds dumb. And the reason why I'm saying this sounds dumb is because there are too many scenarios where this happens on an average day basis and more in gray areas than these black and white statements than anything else. Right, like, as I mentioned, there are times where you have a crush on somebody in high school. And then as you become a full-grown adult, they might be cute, but you are like, I would never date that person. They may not be cute, and you would be like, uh, I liked them back then, and now I'm a totally different person. I don't like them now. So saying that someone that I've ever liked I can't talk to your girl shouldn't talk to. It is controlling because at the bottom it says this is not controlling. It's controlling. It sounds dumb. Um, 
But it goes back to my conversation about discipline. And TJ Holmes and Amy did not practice discipline. They knew what type of road this shit was going down, and they fucking got they sled and was ready. Tis the season. Right? They was they was ready. So I think that we need to go into situations knowing. Okay, see, this is this way it's gonna get nasty. This is this is why XAB is one of the top podcasters, and y'all need to put it, put some fucking respect on my name. Um, I likened this to a paper that I wrote about feedback and vulnerability. So with feedback and vulnerability, a lot of people are afraid to do critical feedback or what people would deem to be negative feedback. There, A lot of people are afraid to give that. One of the reasons is because beyond the surface level things that people tend to say, which is like, you know, feedback can hurt somebody's feelings. A lot of people don't want to go through the the prospect of of the negative, the be, being seen as a negative individual, um, all that good jazz. Beyond that, Critical feedback is hard because it's not a skill that's practiced. X, where the fuck you going with this? I got you. Critical feedback is not a skill that is practiced. And so we fear from it. But having to give critical feedback is inevitable. Having to give critical feedback is inevitable. So where does that put us? As unpracticed individuals that at some point will have to give practical and critical feedback. It puts us in a position where we're unskilled. And so we fuck up when we give the critical feedback. The same thing applies to relationship and dealing with others outside of the relationship. Telling your partner they just shouldn't engage with nobody that could potentially in any way, shape, or form Threaten you Or your idea of them threatening the relationship Puts you in a spot Where your partner is now Unskilled For the inevitable Throughout life There are Eight, I think soon to be 11 billion people on this planet. Throughout life, your partner is going to interact with somebody that is more attractive than you, funnier than you, has better conversation than you, 
they have a better bond with. In some cases, they probably should be with. Now, I'm putting my money on the girl or guy who is skilled enough to have been in that predicament a few times to now know themselves and know how to move in that scenario as opposed to the person who's never experienced having better chemistry, talking to someone better looking, having a conversation with someone that they really, really vibe with, and developing the skills to strengthen their discipline. I'm putting my money on the person who, who's been able to do that, not the one who has it. We don't make sense sometimes when we when we come up with these caricatures of what relationships <laughs> and dating is. Like there is no perfect world where your partner never comes across anybody that has the ability to threaten your relationship. They do all the time, especially if you're dealing with somebody that is ultra attractive to you and the world or you're ultra into. You think you're the only nigga that like your girl? Your girl fly to you for a reason. Your nigga fly to you for a reason. You think you the only nigga that like them? The fuck? Be real. Be for real. Be for real. So it's much better to have the open and honest conversation about, hey, what's your discipline looking like? As opposed to, yo, you can't talk to this person. You can't talk to that. You can't, man, get the fuck up out of here. That is that is terrible, <laughs> terrible advice. Um, but what's equally as terrible is not practicing the discipline that you know you need to. What's equally as terrible is promising one thing and doing another. It is totally different depending on what your relationship setup is. Like I mentioned at the top of this, some people, their relationship setup is as long as you tell me beforehand or as long as you're honest with me about it, we could work through whatever it is. If you got that itch you need scratched, you need to fuck them one time, go ahead. Some people have a relationship set up like that. Not saying it's me. <laughs> Not saying it's you. But some do. So it's worth saying. But um, everybody deals with that individually or differently. All I'm saying is within that conversation, discipline is the, is the most important factor. Amy and TJ ain't, ain't look like they had a disciplined bone in their body. All the fucking IG clips and everything else. They wasn't even trying. They wasn't trying not to <laughs> to fuck. They were trying to fuck. So, yeah. I told y'all I wouldn't talk about this goofy ass nigga ever again, but here we are. Um, Kanye goes on drink, uh, drink, drink champs. Well, 
They they never want that nigga back on that show ever. But Kanye goes on Clubhouse and essentially says that people were going to have Meek Mill check him. And he started laughing and said, imagine Meek Mill trying to check me. And then Meek Mill clapped back. And one of the best, you know it's a problem. Or you know the world has shifted. I would have never thought of a scenario. And I would have never believed no nigga if they told me, yo, 10 years after college dropout, you will be, you will be defending Meek Mill over Kanye West. I'd be like, you a fucking clown. You're an idiot. But here I am. So I got the Meek Mill um, tweet here. Never lost my mind for fame or money. Still have my family. My people respect me. I'm feeling people from, I'm freeing people from prison. I'm doing community service all month with children up close and personal. I'm chilling with my son and his friends today. Y'all on Clubhouse at 50 years old, LOL. And then he goes, and by 50 on Clubhouse, drawing and not doing any positive, any, yeah, you know how Meek be, not doing anything positive is what he wanted to say. Um, with your following at this age is hit. You can be old or young on Clubhouse. It's a place to connect. So, yeah. He basically said, nigga, you too old for the bullshit. Which I agree with. He is. Now, let's get into this Van Jones conversation. Let me see if I got that shit. I don't know if I want to read that, though. That shit look long. Um... Van Jones apparently had to, well, not had to, but Van Jones apparently went to um, he went to a a what was it, a dinner of some sort, journalistic dinner, um, and he said something along the lines of. He apologized for the black community in terms of the silence that has been practiced in regard to Kanye West and other black figures either pushing anti-Semitic material or actually being anti-Semitic themselves. Um, And so he received backlash for that. In, uh, In some instances, rightfully so. Um, Van Jones definitely is not there. There is no real voice of the black community at this moment in time that people would fully respect saying anything as a representative of us, except for Farrakhan. And the only reason I think people back that as much is because Farrakhan typically has a more militant stance and a militant voice and a if you hit us we're going to hit you type of response to particular conversations and so unfortunately I think we're in a space as a black community where it's easy to get us boy all it got all it has to be is someone who 
And this is not in regard to Farrakhan, but more so in regard to Dr. Umar. <laughs> but all it all it really takes is someone who is aggressive, who is loud, throws in one or two five dollar words, really, really big vocabulary words, with one or two historical connections. And we think that motherfucker is the new Malcolm X. Gets us every time. That's all we need is a viral video to go. Go around circulating with somebody. Oh, and they got to be against something. They got to be aggressively against something. Violently aggressively against something. Two, three big words. Two, three historical connections and really loud. We fucking eat that shit up. That shit is sad. But nonetheless, um, Van Jones uh, got up there and apologized for the black community. And many people didn't like that. Now. I agree. I already said it. I don't really think Van Jones needs to be apologizing on behalf of. But here's where I'm conflicted. Why do you think he even felt necessary to do so? Is anybody asking themselves that question? Because I think that's the more important piece there. We could debate all day or we cannot. We could all be on the same page that he's probably not the best person to try and represent the back, the black community. And nobody asked him to do that. So we can have a back and forth about that. But it doesn't negate the fact or take away from him feeling like he had to. And doesn't that speak volumes to you? Doesn't it speak to you that he felt it necessary? I'm seeing a lot of false equivalencies being made in this time where we do have people doing anti-Semitic things and saying anti-Semitic things. At this point, if y'all niggas don't think that Kanye is going around saying the wildest anti-Semitic shit ever, you're not listening or you are being woefully ignorant. You're being woefully ignorant. So, again, Why would this black man deem it necessary or feel like he had to speak on behalf of all black people in regard to being silent in the face of anti-Semitic hate being spewed? From individuals of the black community. Now, I'm saying individuals because I do one, 
Uh, let me clarify. I do not think that Kyrie and Kanye, and I've said this already, so I don't need to. But for first-time listeners, um, I do not think that Kanye and Kyrie are the same at all. I think Kyrie loves to live on the fringe of information. And so when he comes across certain things, it tickles his fancy because he is a lot more prone to those types of things coming across his desk and him being intrigued enough by by them and believing that information instead of doing the proper research to clarify and even know the uh, ins and outs of where it's coming from. So with Kyrie, I don't think that Kyrie is an anti-Semitic individual. I think that Kyrie is quick to believe, quote unquote, fringe information. He's quick to say, oh, the world must be flat because I saw a YouTube video that really broke it down for me. Or I read these papers that make a lot more sense to me. He's quicker to read something about black people being the real Jewish people, the true Israelites, and saying to himself, this makes sense to me, so I believe it. And I'm going to ignore the other aspects of this same information that are saying that the current iterations of Jewish people are doing these horrific things that the same source is claiming that they're doing. That's Kyrie. A little prone to misinformation, a little prone to fringe information. Not to say that everything that he has spoken about or everything that he has come across is false, but he's more prone to that. And then you have Kanye West, who is in the midst of a a bipolar episode on the manic side and is also trying to become president by appealing to the far right. I don't I don't know why he thinks that would work, but um, I'm assuming he knows his chances are shot with the Democratic Party after going back and forth with Obama, after saying he likes Trump. Um, all other wearing the MAGA hat, I'm presuming he knows that the Democratic Party, who is a little bit more ingrained in making sense right now, wouldn't vote for him. And so he's deciding to align with the fringe part of the Republican Party. Um, Not knowing that the Republican Party is on a correction course. They're trying to get away from all that fringe shit. They they attached him to Donald Trump long enough. They're realizing that that shit is no longer as effective as it was. And now they're trying to get away from the crazy. They're trying to stop with all the extra fringe level shit and inviting that type of energy into their party. They're realizing it is not going to work and it is slowly dying out. But somewhere along the line, Kanye has made a concerted effort to align himself with that. This could be associated with the mental illness that he is dealing with, 
or it could just be who he is at this moment in time. But Kanye and Kyrie are not the same. I can still support Kyrie. Kyrie just needed more information. Kyrie just needed more of a conversation. And Kyrie just needs to stop being defiant for no reason. But I understand as well because him and the media oftentimes have an adversarial relationship. And they oftentimes try to put Kyrie into places where he will say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. So I understand why he doesn't trust the media and why he's defensive when he speaks with the media. And with Kanye, Kanye is is just, again, doing the very most and just tarnishing his amazing legacy uh, throughout it all. Um, But that brings me back to the conversation as to why he felt, why Van Jones felt like he needed to apologize. And the reality of it is, when George Floyd was murdered, I saw more white and Jewish people in some of the marches than I saw black people. When Michael Brown was killed, I saw Jewish and white people join with us to say that that was wrong. When things happen to us, a lot of times other communities do come out for us. I spoke about this before. I'll speak about it again. The civil rights movement got as much traction as it did. Because the the Jewish community came out in full force to back Martin Luther King and the freedom fighters. Civil rights activists, rather. I took it back. Civil, Civil rights activists in their fight for equality. And so... Us either championing the sentiments ignorantly at that of Kanye West or saying there was nothing wrong in what Kyrie Irving did. There was something wrong. He didn't deserve what they were trying to do to him at all. But there was something wrong with what he did. I think we can acknowledge both. I think we can say, NBA wild out. They shouldn't have did all that. But also Kyrie was wrong. And he he shouldn't have did all that. 
I think we can we can do both of those. But what we are not doing, at least as a community, is saying, yeah, Kanye is wrong and bugging out. We condemn that talk. We don't bang with it. It's not cool. Instead, we make comments on the Shade Room post of him doing it, laughing or joking at him, which I'm not opposed to that either. Um, but we got to start doing more than that. We we should condemn just like we want others to condemn when some shit happens to us. But then it becomes a cycle, right? Because we don't say anything now. Something happens to a black person, God forbid, in the future. If we don't get the outrage and support that we think we're supposed to get, then we start to point fingers at other communities and say, see, this is why. But it's like, but we also don't really go into supporting when some other shit happened, when the Asian hate was happening. The first thing we did was point fingers to, oh, well, that community never supports us when shit going on with us, so... And that's not necessarily true. The news coverage doesn't always show it. And yes, there are still inherent issues with particular communities and the black community. All of it can exist in one pot. But that doesn't take away from the fact that as a people, we need to also condemn hate when we see it. So I don't necessarily agree with this idea that, well, he shouldn't have said nothing because we don't all feel like we have to apologize for anything. I don't think we have to apologize for anything, but I think we have to take heed to the understanding that we are not saying enough to condemn some of these actions. And that's the important piece. Nah, we don't need to apologize on behalf of the black community for Kanye West, dumbass. Kanye West needs to apologize for Kanye West. But we also need to understand that when people do these actions that are hateful to other communities, we do have a responsibility to condemn it just like we want them to condemn when shit happens to us. Yes, there will always be parts of other communities that are going to be like, well, that community deserves it because they are attached to the racism and the tropes and the stereotypes that are put on our community. And until we somehow find a way to combat that, or they might just be stuck in that bullshit for forever, regardless, that is going to exist. But what we do need to focus on is also being a community that can support others when some shit happens to them. We most likely have had the most horrific things happen to us. And still have them happening. But that does not negate that other communities also are struggling with equality as well. That also doesn't negate that there are people that are pushing ideologies that are dangerous. Whether you think it is or not. Whether you think it's a compliment 
to be told that you run the world or whatever foolishness is out there or not, you may not see that as a negative thing. But as as has been mentioned on this podcast before, when you've seen six million of your people or more perish at the hands of that same ideology, you don't view that as a compliment. You see that as the foundation of starting something else. And that's the only thing I really want us as a community to start acknowledging. It doesn't mean that we can't also acknowledge that there are some slumlords of different communities that are preying on black people. It doesn't mean that we can't acknowledge the riots in Crown Heights that happened. It can't, it doesn't mean that we can't acknowledge that there are still some community building that we need to do across. But that doesn't mean that we don't condemn when, especially those of our community, decide to do some, some foolishness. And then that saves us from the further foolishness of Van Jones thinking that he has the liberty and the necessity to apologize for black people across America for silence. Brittany Griner is home. Congratulations to Brittany Griner. Um, round of applause. Man, oh man, fucking everything has brought up a conversation this week. I don't, I don't know what the fuck going on. Like, I love that my my community and my people uh, are getting more invested in politics. But boy, do y'all need to fucking Get into the details of some shit before y'all start going the fuck off. (laughs) Oh, man. So the main conversation that has been happening. Was this a fair trade? The answer is no. It wasn't a fair trade. It wasn't. Russia beat us over the head and got something that they really wanted. But at the same time. Can y'all be satisfied? First, it was Biden administration wasn't doing enough to get Britney home. Then it was Biden administration is is silent about this, not knowing that silence is helpful in these instances, but silence was coming from the administration. They trying to bury it under the rug. They find a way to get her home. They get her home. And now y'all niggas is asking (laughs) Is this a fair trade? Why did Russia get the merchant of death and we got a basketball player? Well, because it was a ransom from jump. And then a lot of y'all. So let me say this. We could have a conversation about that. I think that it's fair to at least inquire about the status of each individual within the political sphere and why that was deemed to be an equal or acceptable trade. That's a conversation. But then a lot of y'all are bringing in the Marine 
that was captured as well. And this is where I would love for us to do a little bit more research before we jump on the internet screaming about what's fair, what isn't about national security shit that we haven't spent too much time learning about. This is kind of where I feel like, you know, I would love for us to be a little bit more informed. So Wheelin was the Marine was never going to be traded for the merchant of death or anybody that the U.S. currently has that's a Russian that's prisoner on U.S. soil. They want somebody that is actually in, ooh, I can't remember the country at this moment. German. Germany. They want someone who is in a German prison. And so the reason why is because they believe by pressuring the U.S. to pressure Germany to let go of, I think it's a spy that did some wild shit. Um, they think by pressuring the U.S. to pressure Germany to let this person go, it will put a fracture between Germany and the U.S. And so there never really was a pathway for Wheeling to come home as of yet. Brittany was the only person that they were willing to trade the merchant of death for. So when we jump on the internet and we scream, oh, but the Marine is still over there, but we got a basketball player. Da, 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 da. Okay. But do the research. Find out why. The U.S. government is not that dumb. But also, y'all are not telling me y'all the same people that was screaming at the top of the lungs. The U.S. government isn't doing enough to get this woman home. And then when they do what they need to to get her home. Now. It's a problem as to how they got her home. One thing I can assure people. Because, yeah, I don't know if that was a fair. Quote unquote trade. Right. Like, I don't think the merchant of death in Brittany are on the same level of threat in the world. But a lot of assessment is going into whether these trades are warranted, allowed. Mans did 16 years of a 25-year sentence. They were going to let him go soon anyway. He wasn't in there for life. He was going to be let go at some point. And so that is that was probably put into the assessment too. Brittany was facing 10 years. It was an unjust verdict 
Yes, she did the crime. But the time that was presented to her was clearly a negotiation tactic. Clearly, they wanted to op- they wanted to send the U.S. a message. They sent the U.S. a message. And in turn, they got what they wanted out of that. So, no, it wasn't really fair in that capacity. But everything else that people are throwing in there to muddy it up are talking points. Wheeling was never a real option. Russian government did not think it was an option. Um, It's being put out there more so to drum up hate, in my opinion, towards Brittany Griner and to sully a moment that we haven't really seen that often. The U.S. government going hard for a black, gay, openly gay woman. And yes, celebrity status obviously is playing a factor here. But I think that message in itself is powerful. And beyond the messaging, yes, again, we can have conversations about equality of the trade and this that and the third but let's not bring in shit that oh they they circumvented getting the marine that fought for the country to get the WNBA player that's crazy no the marine never was an option he never was an option listen to his brother when his brother speaks listen to the people of intelligence who are telling you this man never was on the table to be traded. <laughs> they never gave us a, a, a actual, he was never, they, we wanted him to be part of the package, but they weren't playing ball on that. They want some other cat and we ain't got it. All right. <sighs> Well, I've kicked it for you guys, with you guys, for about three hours, probably, knowing me. Um, so it's time for me to go. It is late as shit. I got finals. Pray for me, y'all. Um, your boy is trying to do some some next-level shit with his schoolwork, so, um, you know, be going extra hard. But uh, next week, I'm, I'm hoping to have a special guest for y'all. I um, was looking to have one for y'all this week. Um schedules didn't line up but next week definitely looks like i have a really really fun episode planned um but what would that say that would say steel sharpens steel the more you refine who you are the more it takes to make you better so i urge everyone To fight complacency and continue to sharpen your steel. Another episode of Dad has some bow ties.